0: Hello everyone and welcome to Downsizing, the podcast where we try and figure out when the office actually ended because everyone would have been fired. My name is Curtis and I'll be your host and with me is my co-host and resident office expert, Antoinette.
1: Hi everyone.
0: Today we will be discussing season six, episode six, Mafia. In this episode, Michael has a meeting, Andy and Dwight, counsel Michael, and Oscar tries to hold things together. There really isn't a whole lot to this episode. It is not... I won't say that. It's. I think it's funny. I think it's funny in parts. But in terms of substance, there's really not much to it.
1: I would agree with you. It's sort of a surprising post-wedding episode, I would say. Like you said in our previous podcast the wedding episode was such a payoff of jim and pam's storyline so then to sort of come back to this feels a little surprising now it's always easy to be the critic i don't know what they should have done but this didn't really feel like it i'll say i
0: think this is kind of a product of there being kind of a lack of secondary storylines because really We don't see anything going on with Michael, really, or Dwight. And so you're left with kind of the crumbs that they have started with Andy and Aaron, which they don't do anything with here. And we have resolved the big storyline of the entire series, really, which is will Jim and Pam get together? And yes, they do. They are married and they aren't even in this episode. So now you're left with this gigantic storyline hole that they haven't really built anything up to to fill that hole
1: that is a great point so once the angela andy dwight triangle was resolved angela sort of fell by the wayside michael and holly there's nothing there we we don't see like you said we don't see anything with andy and aaron so we don't have any sort of romance plot lines the Michael Scott Paper Company got wrapped up. The Jim's a co-manager is sort of wrapped up. So that is a great point. There's just not anywhere major plot point-wise to go at this point. And that's why this is sort of a somewhat comedic filler episode, you could say.
0: And that starts right away with the cold open because we see the office at large in the conference room for a typical Michael conference room meeting where Michael is talking about the fundamentals of business and he highlights that the fact that mental is in fundamentals and says that you would be mental if you weren't enjoying making sales or doing business or whatever and so Toby points out that fun is right there at the beginning and before michael can even tell him to leave toby gets up and leaves the conference room meeting and so this is michael like flexing his business acumen and honestly it's it's pretty harmless until the point to where michael says i could fill a book with all the things you guys don't know about business and ryan sitting there just on his blackberry texting just says well why don't you do it then
1: so then michael is trying to dictaphone an entire book and it goes about as well as you would expect he gets the title down he says over one billion sold he gets to chapter one And then he doesn't really know what to say.
0: Yeah, he barely can even get the title of that chapter out.
1: And really, this doesn't need to be an all-office conference room meeting. This could have just been for the sales department. But you have Ryan there. Aaron is there. Accounting. And so it's just sort of an excuse to have everyone together. and, And like Curtis said, for Michael to flexes business muscles which he should be there should be these type of trainings for the sales staff but it doesn't really make a ton of sense for Aaron or accounting to be a part of that
0: as we begin the main part of the episode we see a guy sitting on the couch just waiting for Michael to get into the office and i'm not sure this guy's name but he is a character actor he's in all kinds of stuff usually playing a mobster of some sort. I think he has passed away somewhat recently. And so when Michael gets in, he is a little distraught because he tells Aaron that he can't just see people when they show up. He has a very full schedule. And Aaron points out that the morning portion of Michael's schedule is... Creative space, which we don't really know what that means. And it's not made any better by the fact that the afternoon part of Michael's schedule is free time. And so, really, Michael is scheduling himself to not do anything worthwhile for the whole day, which I gotta hand it to him. It's a pretty smart thing to do.
1: At first it seems as though that this is a client, but no, actually it is an insurance salesman. And this man is trying to sell insurance to Michael. And here's what's unclear. At first it would appear as though he's trying to sell Dunder Mifflin, the company, on insurance. Because his sales pitch is it would be terrible if there was a fire in the warehouse and all the paper burned up or if one of the delivery trucks was run off the road, in which case he's really in the wrong spot because the regional office of a multi-city company is not the one to make those sort of decisions. Like that would come from the C-suite. However, later in the episode, it would appear as though he's trying to sell Michael some sort of supplemental health insurance or life insurance or something along those lines. It's not a thousand percent clear what is being offered here. Michael's not interested in the insurance whether it's for Dunder Mifflin or himself. He takes the opportunity of this sales pitch to sort of build himself up and says it's really offensive to a great salesman to get a really terrible sales pitch and that's what he felt like just happened. And he says it's like a great basketball player having to listen to a bad basketball player, which, sure. And so he kind of just dismisses this, this guy and calls it a day, basically. Doesn't have, give it another thought. Andy, however, has much different read on the situation.
0: Yes, the entire time that this meeting is going on, Andy is kind of looking through the window and keeping an eye on things. Because he is convinced that Mr. Grotty, which is the name of the salesperson here, is a member of the Mafia.
1: Yeah, the large-time Scranton Mafia.
0: Yeah. And he eventually kind of brings Dwight in on this as well and convinces Dwight that this man was, in fact, a member of the Mafia. And Michael is pushing back, but Andy makes some, I'm not going to call them good points, but valid. Let's say valid points. Michael says that he was an insurance agent, and Andy points out that Mafia guys always have a front of some sort, whether it be insurance agent or construction worker waste management etc and andy asks if he ever made any veiled threats and michael's is like well yeah i guess he did say that he might set the warehouse on fire or run one of the trucks off the road and so now michael is starting to turn to the side of andy and dwight
1: underlying all this is the premise that this man is clearly southern Italian and or hails from his heritage hails from southern Italy and his last name is Grotti and he plays up his Italian heritage I would say in that he sort of has a thick accent he has the mannerisms of your pop culture italian stereotype
0: trying to fight back against all of this is oscar who says that since jim and pam are out of the office he is the lone person in the quote coalition of reason
1: i do love this because it's pretty accurate because you do have this balance within the office and And Oscar points out that Toby has been checked out since June. And I would argue Toby's been checked out long before that. But he can't count on Toby. When they're all talking about it, Phyllis is siding with Andy and Dwight, which is somewhat surprising. But there's not anybody else that Oscar can really appeal to. And I really, in the running through the roster of everyone else in the office, it is quite true. You're going to have, like Kelly and Ryan are definitely going to go with whatever hairbrain scheme is going on. I don't think you can really count on Creed or Meredith or Angela to sort of make a reasoned argument about anything. And we have witnessed Pam being the person that sort of corrals Michael a lot. Although the Michael Scott paper company would be the one very large exception uh, that got them both into a weird position, I would say.
0: I will discuss this later on in the show. Okay. While all of this is going on, we see something that I think is very new to the show. And it continues throughout the entire episode. And it's kind of this slapstick, probably isn't the right word, but slapstick-ish type routine by Michael Dwight and Andy just kind of all being comedically dumb at the same time here like none of the stuff that they go through this episode makes any sense whatsoever like this is kind of out of character for definitely Andy and Dwight like they generally aren't ones to kind of play into Michael's thoughts and honestly like Michael usually would have been the one to think of this but it takes Andy and Dwight like convincing him that this is the case
1: yeah I could see that out of Andy but the fact that Dwight went with it so quickly I mean he is skeptical but he's also he's also somewhat reasoned he just is sort of an oddball so yeah it it is a bit of a character departure for Dwight. He does have a naivete to some law enforcement type of stuff, and he is interested in crime, but it, it, yeah, I'm with you on the three of them are definitely taking each other down this rabbit hole.
0: So now that Michael is convinced that Mr. Grotty is in fact in the mob, he... Dwight and Andy now have to figure out what to do about it and this is kind of where we see the difference in character between Andy and Dwight because this is where they stay in their normal characters. Andy is very much the coward here and says that nope you just got to give in you got to buy whatever insurance he's offering to get these people off of your back. Dwight, however, says that, no, you have to stand up for yourself and you have to show the mob that you are not afraid of them. And so Dwight's plan is to have Michael go to a public place with Mr. Grotti and stand up for himself, basically so Mr. Grotty can't retaliate with some sort of act of violence. And so Michael invites Mr. Grotty out to lunch. And he has Dwight and Andy come along with him just for support reasons.
1: And it doesn't even make any sense because Michael didn't need to set up this meeting. He didn't say yes to the insurance. He essentially got cold called by this guy in person. It was just a drop-in sort of meeting. And this is where it's unclear if it's insurance for Dunder Mifflin or insurance for Michael. Although at this lunch, it does take the turn that this is insurance just for Michael. Some sort of individual, either supplemental health or supplemental life or life insurance policy in general. The character of Andy, I would say, is pretty solidified by now of just what he is and how he's going to come at situations. Like Curtis said, he is a huge coward, But he has decided he's going to dress up as a mechanic so that he can carry a tire iron. Is that even the right thing? It's what you use to change a tire. You got it. Okay. But he has no idea how to use it. Also, why would a mechanic carry around a tire iron, like, inside to a nice restaurant? And Dwight points out you're wearing loafers with this mechanic's jumpsuit. It just doesn't make any sense whatsoever when they get to the restaurant they're there first they're sitting at one of those tables that is pushed to a booth so that there's two chairs and then the other side you would be sitting in a booth and Grotty says what is this this is a table that doesn't know what it is and just tells the waitress that they're moving to a different table and Andy and Dwight are correct in the sense that a lot of what grotty does is just bluster and intimidation but it's sort of a sales tactic but it's just a probably just a way like he goes through life basically and it's it's kind of a weird lunch i would say grotty is trying to sell michael on this insurance policy and if you've ever dealt with an insurance agent they have to say, well, don't you want your family protected in the event something happens to you? You never know what could happen to you. And that's why I suspect this is a, like a life insurance policy thing. You know, who's going to take care of your affairs if something does happen to you? You definitely need this. It's it's sort of just a playing on people's fears of mortality sort of thing. Not that life insurance is not important, but it's those supplemental extra type stuff that you really have to be a a big salesman to make it work.
0: Grotti's actions at the restaurant don't really do anything to dissuade the three office workers that he may be in the mob. As Antoinette said, they are originally seated at the half booth, half table thing. And so he just like tells the waitress that, yeah, we're moving over here now. And then while he is putting in his lunch order, he orders linguine with red sauce on the side. And he says that if it is on the pasta, he is going to send it back. And then he wants garlic bread that's toasted and not burnt. And if it's burnt, he is going to send it back. And so... These are the words of somebody that is a bit intimidating, or is at least trying to intimidate somebody, if you were looking at it that way. If you were looking at it a different way, it's just a guy at a restaurant being a dick. And so Michael, trying to follow Dwight's lead in being as intimidating as Grotty, orders the Gabagool, which makes it clear that Michael has seen The Sopranos a couple times. Yes. And so the waitress has no idea what he's talking about. And this is, I mean, it's dumb. And it's why I say this is kind of like a slapstick routine. But it's Michael continuously saying he wants the gabagool. And then Andy's just like, he wants the gabagool. It's the gabagool. And... Then Dwight's chiming in. He's like, is she, he's saying gabagool. He wants the gabagool. And eventually they stop. And then Michael says, "I and I'll have that with a side salad. If it's on top, I will send it back.
1: Right. He eventually orders spaghetti. Curtis, do you know? Yes, what, that's right. Do you know what gabagool is? It's
0: capicola, I believe.
1: Capicola, which is just a very thin slice salami. Yes. And in The Sopranos... Tony eats that a lot. It's just a cold cut thing. But it comes up because he will have his panic attack passing out episode. It's connected to the Ghoul because of just when he first saw it. And, and it's just a, it's like a memory connector thing. Right. And so that's why it's like a big thing. And you wouldn't go to any restaurant. I mean, it would come on probably an antipasta sort of thing but you wouldn't just be like yeah I'm gonna have gabba I'm just gonna have some you know cold cut salami as my meal then there's this sort of meandering part of this lunch in which this woman in distress spots that Andy is in a mechanic's jumpsuit and her car won't start and he has to go out and help her to sort of keep up the facade except Andy's never worked on cars in his life and doesn't know how to jump a car. To be fair, I don't know how to jump a car either. It also would appear that her car didn't need to be jumped because as soon as he put on the cable, it sparked. So it wouldn't have been the battery?
0: No, that's 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 false. Okay. Well, because <laughs> it would have been connected to the live car. And so the sparks is the electricity coming from the other car and andy has put the clamps on the wrong part touched metal with it and so that's where the sparks come from
1: okay i i I know that jumping your car is supposed to be a basic skill but it seems very scary to me because yeah you're dealing with electricity and it it does seem a bit dangerous
0: it's relatively easy if you know what you're doing.
1: Well, that's why I have you.
0: I guess so. And so I don't know if it's Andy's absence here that changes things. You know, if if strength in numbers is a thing, Michael has now lost one of his associates, and so he's more vulnerable here or something. I don't know. But he does eventually just decide to... Sign the contract and sign up for life insurance. And so now the dilemma is that Michael has signed up for life insurance that he can't afford, which. I don't I, I don't know how that exists.
1: I don't know what kind of policy and whatever bells and whistles got attached to this contract. But yeah, I mean, life insurance can be expensive, but it shouldn't be something that he couldn't afford on his current salary, which is how he paints it to Oscar.
0: Yeah. At Michael's age, it's not going to be like dirt cheap, but it's also not going to be a bank breaker. Like he could fit that into a budget somewhere.
1: Right. And Dwight was telling Dwight was telling Michael, "Do not do it. Don't do it." And Andy was telling Michael, "Just do it. You're gonna basically get killed." Otherwise, was Andy's reasoning. So then it sort of gets convoluted to where Dwight realizes that Michael is sort of like in a bad place, and now he's living in fear, and they're the ones that convinced him that Grotty was somebody to fear, and he was part of the mafia, et cetera. And so Dwight says, we need to go tell Michael that he's not part of the mafia. We need to, to sort of boost him up. So they do. <laughs> they go in and they say that Andy has a friend who's a fed who ran a background check, and he and Grotty's completely clean, and Dwight still has friends on the Scranton PD, and there's nothing on this guy. So, you don't have to be afraid. You can call him up and cancel this policy.
0: Which is what Michael does, but he also takes it a step too far here and kind of insults Grotti and just calls him dumb and, like, is trying to be overly intimidating back to Grotti. And I think this is where we kind of see the. Resolution of the question of is Grotti in the mafia or not? Because his response to Michael is, okay, well, sorry to hear that. Um, if you change your mind in the future, just give me a call again. And there's no like, you're going to regret this, blah, 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 type thing. And so now Michael is out of this policy, and Dwight and Andy reveal to Michael. Yeah, I mean, weirdly, that Grotti is in fact in the mob and that they had just told him that to make him feel better so he wouldn't be afraid of him so he could cancel the policy.
1: Right, they congratulate him on standing up to the mafia and getting the mafia to back down, etc. So then Michael goes out and regales everyone with this tale that he has trumped up quite a bit that yeah he stood him down he looked him in the eye and it wasn't going to be intimidated which is not at all how it went like at the actual lunch
0: there is an issue here though because if Grotti is in fact in the mob and michael has now insulted this man and canceled the insurance policy would the consequences not be what michael was afraid of the entire time and that was the reason he signed the insurance policy anyway
1: uh, sure, but Grotty's not in the mob. <laughs> I
0: get that, but Michael and Dwight and Andy are all like super excited and very happy because Michael stood up to this mobster guy.
1: Right, like that's going to stop. And
0: so now the three of them are convinced that Grotty is in the mafia and Michael has stood up to this guy. So yes, there would be consequences after this. It wouldn't just be like, oh, well, he got us
1: yeah yeah I guess that's true that it didn't it wouldn't have changed the base situation as they believe it, I suppose,
0: and so that's really all that happens in this episode. So let's go to the annex with Antoinette and find out any fun facts about the episode.
1: This is the only episode of the entire series in which both Jim and Pam do not appear. We hear their voices because. Oscar calls them first to try to get the coalition of reason and just say, what do I do in this situation? To which Pam shuts it down, rightfully. Then Michael calls Jim and says, I'm in trouble with the mafia. What do I do? And Kevin calls because Kevin has been ridiculous and caused an issue with their credit cards.
0: And that leads us into our firing and in this episode Kevin gets fired because in this episode he says that he has been going into Jim's office to fart while he's been gone and one day he just stayed in there. So Kevin has kind of commandeered Jim's office for the time being and while he is in there he stupidly answers a phone call and it is from the credit card company questioning some charges on jim's credit card which were made in puerto rico which is where jim and pam are for their honeymoon and so the credit card company asks the general information address and last for a social security number kevin provides those and so they're like clearly you're not in Puerto Rico we will cancel your credit card which Kevin then panics about and is kind of out of ideas at this point he also makes a joke to Oscar about prison that isn't very great either so Kevin gets fired for either one of those things it is his second firing this season it's his seventh overall Antoinette what is your dundee for this episode
1: the overactive imagination award goes to andy and that's just because as we've said throughout this episode he just is really over the top and his self-delusion about the mafia and the fact that there would be this large mafia presence in scranton pennsylvania not saying it couldn't be connected to like philly or something but it's probably not and he is just from the start of the episode he is just absolutely convinced and he's been sitting there just watching this guy the entire time and so I feel like if Andy put I don't know just half of that mental effort into trying to make sales (laughs) he might end up being a better salesperson what is your Dundee award
0: The overestimation award goes to Oscar for his thoughts on Jim and Pam being his partners in reason. As we have seen in the past, yes, Pam does try to rein Michael in sometimes, but it is usually in the most half-hearted, like, oh, I don't want to step on his toes way to where she might get, like, a bargained resolution out of things which is still pretty bad because Michael's involved and he's an idiot and does just dumb things and then especially in this situation Jim is absolutely taking part in this and saying oh yeah he's definitely in the mob he is absolutely for his own entertainment going to play along with the fact that this man is in the mob And so Oscar would still be the lone voice of reason in this situation. Who is your employee of the month?
1: Uh, I'm going to choose Jim just because he thought of a pretty good prank on the fly. Michael tracked Jim and Pam down for his call for help on a catamaran tour, which is kind of insane. And so Jim is pretending like he's giving him advice and he'll just stop talking when he's getting to the really important part and he just says oh I don't know it's the Bermuda triangle and hangs up and says don't call again because people are crazily bothering them on their honeymoon like they should never answer the phone probably in the first case but I would never allow anyone from my workplace to have called me while I was on vacation let alone like my honeymoon who is your employee of the month
0: I'm going with Mindy Kaling not Kelly but Mindy Kaling herself because as a writer I feel like she wrote herself out of this episode so she didn't have to participate in what was a pretty lackluster episode I don't believe we ever saw Kelly in yeah this episode. I think you're right And we see everybody else. So So that does it for this week's episode. Please be sure to follow us on Twitter at DownsizingPod to get all the latest updates. And be sure to listen to us on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you're listening to us. Be sure to rate, subscribe, like, and comment wherever you can in order to get our name out there. We appreciate you guys listening. And we will see you guys next time. Bye. Bye.